With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. to Inside HBCU Football. I'm your host, BJ Jones. We got a lot to talk about uh, tonight. A lot of games occurred on yesterday. We'll talk about uh, homecoming, particularly a large homecoming down in Jackson, Mississippi. We got a couple of guests on tonight. Um, in the 8.30 hour, we will have Miss Keisha Kelly of the Black College Experience. She checked out a game here in Metro Atlanta uh, between North Carolina A&T and Kennesaw State. Uh, we'll get her uh, take on that. Uh, in the 9 o'clock hour, got a controversial guy. Uh, this is a guy that uh, he uh, has a way of ruffling the feathers of certain fan bases. But he's a great X's and O's guy when you actually listen to him. Um, Someone I'm proud to call a friend. Uh, we got Scotty, aka Offscript. New to the party, man, but he's getting it shaking all up. So we're going to have some fun tonight. A lot of things to talk about, a lot of things to look at. But one of the things I did want to talk about it is homecoming season, and homecomings are near and dear to our hearts. Uh, spoke about homecoming and the extent of homecomings uh, this past week on ESPN's The Undefeated. Shout out to Calvin Sykes uh, for making that happen. I was along with Tiffany Green of ESPN. And homecoming is a special time for HBCU uh, alumnus. Not only HBCU alumnus, but the black community as a whole. Uh, most of us, regardless of whether we attended an HBCU or not, HBCUs are interwoven into our fabric of our families and communities. Uh, HBCUs are the community center. Uh, and the relationship between the community and the HBCUs are very, very strong, very important. 
these institutions served as meeting spots during the civil rights era. Uh, students went out during those times and they were leaders for the fight for freedom. The community and the HBCU, that relationship goes hand in hand. You don't have one without the other. We must talk about tonight the violence that we've seen during homecoming at our HBCUs. One thing about homecoming is that it should be a special time, should be a happy time. We have classmates, family members, sororers, frat brothers, line brothers, teammates, classmates, come together one more time, especially during this year. Post-COVID, we didn't get this opportunity a year ago. But there are elements of our community that have caused a negative light into our HBCU homecomings. This week, unfortunately, we're faced with shootings at Arkansas Pine Bluff, Grambling State University, Southern University, and now there are reports of a shooting surrounding uh, Jackson, Mississippi. Certain elements of our community, contrary to what, uh, I know that the community is a part of homecoming, but there's certain elements that come to our campuses where our children are with no good intentions. And unfortunately, these individuals cast a negative light on one hundred hundreds of years, decades of graduates and success, all because they lack conflict resolution skills. We can no longer stand by and let these things happen at our institution. For the homecomings that are remaining, I challenge anyone, if you see something, say something. What we cannot have is another week of shootings, Another week of loved ones in the hospital. And at the very, we definitely cannot have any more young people to lose their lives. Our HBCU should be the beacon of hope in our community. And we must do everything within our power to make sure that they say that. Definitely had to get that out uh, tonight. And our prayers are with those students. Everyone impacted by the shootings at Grambling State University, um, the University of Arkansas Pine Bluff, as well as uh, earlier this week at Southern University and Jackson State University. Uh, don't like to start the show on that somber note, but something that's, that was definitely needed. But tonight we got a couple of games to talk about. Um, this was week seven of the HBCU football season. Uh, had a lot of games going on, especially in the Southwestern Athletic Conference. Remember a week ago, Jackson State went to Alabama A&M for their homecoming and took the Bulldogs to the woodshed. Well, Jackson State was celebrating uh, homecoming this weekend. We'll dive into that game a little bit later in the 9 o'clock hour with off script. Uh, Alabama A&M. Hosted Florida AM, Florida AM 
one of the hottest teams in the Southwestern Athletic Conference right now. Um, they took a trip uh, to Huntsville, Alabama. Uh, first time in a long time, the Rattlers uh, have made the trip to the Rocket City uh, of Huntsville, Alabama. We'll talk about that ball game. Uh, Southern University, uh, they were visitors for homecoming for Arkansas Pine Bluff. We all remember that game in the spring, Arkansas Pine Bluff, defeating Southern, costing the Jags a shot at the Western Division title. Um, Southern return. Uh, this time they take the trip up to Arkansas Pine Bluff. Uh, Pine Bluff um, experiencing homecoming. Um, so we'll talk about that game as well. And Bethune-Cookman uh, played host to Prairie View, who's also one of the hot, hottest teams in the conference. Uh, we'll talk about that ball game. You know, Prairie View uh, right now in, uh, leading the Western Division uh, as of right now. Uh, they take the trip to Daytona Beach, long trip, long trip uh, from Texas uh, down to Daytona. Um, Mississippi Valley uh, hosting Alcorn State uh, on yesterday uh, in Itabina, Mississippi. Um, we're going to talk about that ball game. Uh, interesting contest also in the CIAA, um, as well as the SIAC. Uh, we'll dive into those games and North Carolina AT. And we'll get into this one with Keisha Kelly. Uh, North Carolina AT, first year in the Big South, uh, taking on one of the perennial powers in the Big South, Kennesaw State. Uh, you know, they've won that conference uh, multiple times over the last few years. Uh, top uh, 15, uh, top 15 uh, ranked in the country. Uh, big test for the Aggies of North Carolina A&T. Uh, they go to Kennesaw State uh, this past week uh, to face off against the Owls. Uh, once again, if you are tuning in, I appreciate you for tuning in. Uh, got a few guests. Uh, coming along, uh, starting in the 8.30 hour with Miss Keisha Kelly. And then we're going to really get into X's and O's with uh, Scotty, a.k.a. Offscript. Uh, tell a friend uh, that Inside Black College uh, football is on. We are going. Uh, we're live right now. Uh, if you follow me, make sure you, uh, you know, tell a friend. Share it in the group. You know, we love, we, we appreciate all the love that we get here at the Black College Sports uh, Network. Um, well, let's get into it. Uh, one of the first games on the docket yesterday was Florida A&M. Uh, they take the trip to Huntsville, Alabama. Uh, first time in a long time the Rattlers have gone to Huntsville. Uh, Alabama A&M and Florida A&M met uh, as conference foes. Uh, for the first time in a long time, in a, in a long time, uh, these two used to uh, play in the SIAC moons and moons uh, ago. Uh, and Alabama A&M needed this football game. Uh, two losses in a row. Um, the Bulldogs lost to Grambling. Uh, and then that embarrassing loss uh, to Jackson State a week ago at, at home. The Bulldogs needed this particular win. Uh, you don't want to slide, uh, especially, you know, three-game losing streak in the conference pretty much dooms you as far as championship contention. Uh, 
Um, and then you want to give your fans something to be excited about. Uh, we know the critique of the Alabama A&M football team. Uh, the critiques uh, are the offensive line, the defensive line, uh, the defense as a whole. Uh, if, if there is a uh, negative side of this Alabama a football team, it's the lack of physicality. Uh, and, and defensively, um, the Bulldogs just have not been uh, good. Uh, but starting off this ball game on yesterday, surprisingly, Alabama A&M caused a few three and outs, uh, which is rare. Uh, it, it has not been a regular occurrence for the uh, Bulldogs. Uh, Alabama A&M hangs in. They make plays when they needed to. And they go into the half with a 14-10 uh, to 10 lead over Florida A&M after a scoop and score uh, when the Rattlers were actually getting ready to uh, go in and add add on uh, to a 10-7 to 7 lead, uh, potentially to push it to 17-7. Uh, you get a scoop and score. Uh, and, and the Bulldogs uh, change, you know, go into the half, you know, up four. And then in the second half, that offense with Keel Glass and Gary Quarles, uh, they really got on track uh, and the start of that second half. Um, and Alabama A&M goes up by the score 28 to 10. Um, Bulldogs looking good. Um, a lot of people felt like Florida A&M would go around, uh, go up to normal Alabama and have their way with Alabama A&M. Uh, Florida, uh, Florida A&M, a very physical football team. Those have been the football teams that Alabama A&M has struggled with. Uh, but Alabama A&M, if you are uh, somewhere else and you were checking this particular uh, game on your phone, Alabama A&M was up 28 to 10. Um, and then strange things uh, happen. You know, Florida A&M uh, got some momentum. Uh, you saw a few quick scores, and uh, the next thing you know, we have a ball game. We have a, a score that has gone from 28 to 10 to 28 to 13. Um, and we, 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 that fourth quarter for Alabama A&M, uh, wild, uh, wild to say the least. Uh, defense actually makes a play, uh, gets a stop. Uh, Alabama A&M punts the football, uh, pins uh, Florida A&M on the uh, 20-yard line, and Bishop Bonnet, uh, young man who had an amazing day on yesterday, uh, Bishop Bonnet um, actually goes for an 80-yard touchdown, uh, and pretty much seals it for, for Florida A&M. Alabama A&M did get the ball back. Um, Akeel Glass um, throws an interception. Uh, his league leading, uh, he's right now leading the conference in interception. In interceptions, that was his seventh um, of the year. And Alabama A&M falls for the third week in a row. Um, good thing about Alabama A&M, uh, they have a bye week. Um, you have a bye week, and uh, bye week, and then you get prepared for a Magic City Classic. Um, so that's uh, that's one of the positives for Alabama A&M. Um, looking at this uh, particular ball game, 
with Alabama A&M um, and, and Florida A&M. Let's see. Let me get our uh, get these stats pulled up for yesterday. Um, Alabama A&M defensively, they played better. Um, we talked about the three and outs that they were able to force. Uh, Ryan McKay, quarterback for uh, Florida A&M, uh, did not play his best game, particularly in the first half. Uh, he found a way in the second half. He made the plays that he needed to make. Uh, but his biggest friend was that Florida A&M run game uh, with Bishop Bonnet and, and Jennings in the backfield. Also, there was a few amazing catches in that game. One touchdown catch in particular that actually made uh, the ESPN um, highlights. Uh, so sometimes it's, it's it's better to be lucky uh, than good. Um, Florida A&M, with this win, uh, it keeps them in striking distance of Jackson State. Now, the Rattlers need for a lot of things to go right uh, to get in position to represent the uh, Eastern uh, Division of the Southwestern Athletic Conference. Uh, the biggest thing that they have to do is actually keep winning, uh, which is something that the Rattlers have done. Uh, they gave up more points yesterday uh, than this football team has given up in the past. Uh, FAMU was uh, one, of the, one of the top-rated defenses uh, in the conference, uh, not only in the conference, but in the country as well. Uh, yesterday, Alabama A&M was able to rack up some points, uh, not so much from a yardage standpoint, but really from um, a point standpoint. Uh, Alabama A&M, 296 yards of total offense, uh, which is an off day uh, for that particular uh, offense. Um, Akil Glass, 16 to 36 for 199 yards. Uh, he did throw uh, one interception. Uh, Alabama A&M, 32 carries for 97 yards. Uh, averaging three yards a carry. Uh, so that offense didn't rack up the yardage, but they did get the points. Uh, Florida A&M uh, was able to rack up 524 yards of total offense, uh, one of their higher, their highest outputs uh, on the year. Um, so Alabama A&M's defense, as well as they played, they did play better. Another game where the opponent has racked up a season high in yardage. Uh, so Florida A&M's season high in yardage came on yesterday with 524 yards, uh, 251 on the ground, 273, I'm sorry, 273 on the ground, uh, 251 in the air. Uh, the Rattlers get it done by the score of 35 uh, to 31. Florida A&M now sits at four and two uh, overall. Uh, they have one loss in the conference. That loss was to Jackson State um, at the Orange Blossom Classic by the score of seven uh, to six. Um, the Rattlers uh, looking pretty good. Uh, you know, looking uh, pretty good. The biggest thing for for them um, is actually to keep winning, uh, keep winning, and. You kind of hope for some chaos. You know, one thing about this conference, you'll get chaos. Uh, so your Florida A&M, you got to hope for a little bit of that. Uh, Alabama A&M takes the week off. Uh, they'll get prepared for the Magic City Classic, and Alabama State will come calling on ne next week. And if your Florida A&M 
another road trip in the Southwestern Athletic Conference. This one takes them to the Mississippi Valley uh, to face off against the Delta Devils of Mississippi Valley State. And they played an interesting game on yesterday. Uh, the Delta Devils faced off against Alcorn State. Um, interesting ball game uh, yesterday. Uh, Alcorn wins it by the score of 24 to 12. Uh, but if you tune in late, uh, late in that ball game, uh, that score was a 17 to 12 when Mississippi Valley was an opportunity um, to, to go down and get a score to take the lead. Uh, to Alcorn's credit, that defense stepped up when they needed to. And the defense actually played well uh, all game. Uh, they limited Mississippi Valley to 212 yards total offense and only 11 first downs. Uh, Felix Harper, uh, efficient, uh, 15 to 25 for 145 yards. Um, he was efficient, uh, but still not getting that, that those downfield throws uh, and completions that we're accustomed to seeing Felix Harper get. Um, didn't throw any interceptions yesterday, which is big. Alcorn got it done on the ground, 208 yards rushing on 51 carries. Mississippi Valley did a lot of their damage on the ground with 142 yards on 36 carries, only 70 through the air for the Delta Devils of Mississippi Valley. Uh, Alcorn, at the end of the day, they got it done. 21 first downs for Alcorn, only 11 for Mississippi Valley. That Alcorn defense, uh, we talk about uh, solid defenses in the conference. Uh, Alcorn, when they were hitting on all, cil on all cylinders, uh, they're one of the best. Uh, so give Alcorn some credit there. Nico Duffy uh, quietly is having one of the best seasons in the conference as far as a running back. Uh, yesterday he had 18 carries for 138 yards, had a, uh, a long of 23 yards, and scored a touchdown. But it seemed like when Alcorn needed to move the chains, uh, they could rely on number five, uh, Nico Duffy. Uh, he had an amazing game on yesterday. Um, if you're Alcorn, you escape Mississippi Valley with a win. Um, shout out to Coach Vincent Dancy. This Mississippi Valley football team, a very scrappy group. Um, you've seen them play Southern hard. Uh, they get the wins over North Carolina Central, get the win over Bethune Cookman, and they they put a little scare. Uh, into Alcorn State uh, on yesterday. Uh, the Delta Devils will get an opportunity uh, to knock off another one of the SWAC uh, Blue Bloods. This one, the new SWAC Blue Bloods. Uh, they'll host Florida A&M on next week. Alcorn takes a little trip down to Houston uh, to face off against Texas Southern. Um, get ready to go to break and um, we come back, hopefully we'll have the lovely Miss Keisha Kelly of the Black College Experience. Um, we're going to run the break and we'll be right back. You make sure you stay tuned and keep it locked right there with the uh, inside HBCU football. Maureen is saving big holiday shopping at Amazon. So now she's free to become Maureen the Marrier. Food is her love language and she really loves her grandson, like really loves Itchy, squirmy, scratchy, family not getting clean. 
Get Charmin Ultra Strong. Go get them. It just cleans better. With a diamond weave texture, your family can use less while still getting clean. Goodbye, itchy squirm. Hello, cream bottom. <laughs> <laughs> we all go. Why not enjoy the go with Charmin? Supermarket sushi, really? No. Wait, Troy, you work here? I'm never not working. Like head and shoulder scalp shield technology, up to 100% dandruff protection, even between washes. Never not working, huh? Oh, Troy, you're such a good teacher. Yeah, I know. <laughs> never not working. Never not working. Never, ever not working. Are you serious? Never not working. Dandruff protection that's never not working. Head and shoulder scalp shield technology. HBCU football. I'm your host, BJ Jones. Uh, we'll have Keisha Keller momentarily. Uh, we'll jump back right into it, the games that we had on yesterday. Uh, Prairie View, A&M. One of the hotter teams in the conference. We talk about Javon Pass and what he's been able to do at the quarterback position. Defensively, Prairie View looks a lot better. Uh, Dumas up front on the defensive line has just been downright unblockable. Uh, Prairie View goes on the road to face off against Bethune-Cookman. Bethune-Cookman, look, the Wildcats have had better days. Uh, 0-6, uh, coming to this ballgame, 0-3 in the conference. Not a lot to be happy about. You lose the Mississippi Valley on homecoming. That's not the way that you want to start the, the SWAC tenure. And then you have one of the hottest teams in the conference coming in, uh, with Prairie View A&M. Uh, so, rough times in Daytona. But I tell you what, the Wildcats made it rough for Prairie View on yesterday. Uh, Prairie View gets it done about uh, a score of 35-29. But this particular ball game was not, uh, it's not, it wasn't a cakewalk at all for Prairie View. Uh, if you look at it statistically, Bethune-Cookman 
outgained Prairie View, 498 to 422. They had the better time of possession. Even if you look at first downs, uh, Bethune-Cookman, 27, Prairie View, 14. Bethune-Cookman did everything that they could to win this football game. And somehow, some way, uh, I'm sorry, Bethune-Cookman did everything they could to win this football game, but somehow, some way, uh, Bethune-Cookman snatched defeat from the jaws of victory. Uh, and now, Fairview. now, uh, I mean, Bethune-Cookman now goes 0-7, uh, winless in the conference. Um, rough, rough day for Coach Terry Sims um, and that Prairie View football team. Jawan Pass continues to be amazing. He goes 16 of 33. Uh, I'm sorry, 16 of 23 for 290, uh, 290 yards, three touchdowns. He added uh, 14 yards on the ground, which is kind of not Jawan Pass-like. Um, Prairie View ran the ball 30 times for 132 yards um, as a football team. Um, Bethune-Cookman absolutely got it done on the ground. 45 carries for 242 yards. Uh, they were able to get it done in the air. 17-34 uh, for 256 yards between two of their quarterbacks. Uh, offensively, the Wildcats were able to get it done. Now, was this the case? of Prairie View kind of looking ahead. Uh, they have a huge contest this weekend. They got to go to Baton Rouge, a uh, place that they have not won since 2015, uh, to face off against a Southern football team uh, that is hot, uh, to say the least. Uh, it's going to be an interesting ball game. I see that I am now joined uh, by my good friend, Keisha Kelly, speaking of Southern and homecoming. Uh, Keisha Kelly of the Black College Experience. Keisha, how you doing? And hold on one second, so we can get Keisha in here. I'm here. Hey, Keisha, how you doing? I'm fine. How are you? I'm doing pretty good. I'm doing pretty good, man. It's homecoming week. Uh, a lot to be happy about. Um, you t- speaking of homecoming week, before, before we get into homecoming week, you, you took in a, uh, uh, a ball game yesterday, uh, North Carolina A&T, uh, going to Kennesaw State, one of the top-rated programs in the country, um, the Aggies and the Owls. Uh, how, was, how was that game? Uh, you know, you, you had to take it all in. How was that game on yesterday? How was the atmosphere with A&T coming in and it being homecoming, actually, at Kennesaw State? So, you know, actually, BJ, I thought that game was going to be a little bit more aggressive than what it was. But honestly, Kennesaw, they they pretty much did the same thing over and over and over again. All I heard was quarterback key, third down. That's all we heard the whole game, whole game. And A&T, they did. They brought their fans. They brought the crowd. But, I mean, to be shut out 14-0. and 0, And the crazy thing is, it's going into this. This is their first loss. Uh, in the conference. So they went in, it was, they were two and O. And I think KSU didn't have any losses either. So of course they handed A&T that first loss, but 
again, they shut them out 14-0, and I didn't expect that to happen. And really, it was 7-0 and oh, the first, the whole first half. I don't, they didn't score that last touchdown until uh, the fourth quarter. Yeah, I got a chance to watch a little bit of that game yesterday. Kennesaw State running that, that option. Um, yeah. It, it, it's, it's, you know, they control the clock. Uh, and he gets beat by the pass in the first half. Listen, they game. control the clock very well. That seemed like the longest game I have sat through in a long time. And it's just, but even in that late, uh, I'm going to say late in the fourth quarter, when I think it was four and one, I still believe that he got that one yard. I still believe they cheated A&T out of that one yard. I do, but, you know, it is what it is. Yeah, I saw that. That looked like a first down. Even the, the announcers were saying that, uh, you know, on, on the broadcast, it looked like a first down. Um, and, and then it looked like a bad spot. Um, yeah. I, was, I was shocked yeah. that Sam Washington Correct. actually didn't go in and challenge the spot at that right. point. And that's what I was thinking. Why didn't he go in and challenge it? Yeah, yeah. Uh, but, you know, hey, 14 to nothing. Is, so, A&T was in this ball game. Yeah, they were they were in this ball game, um, you know, really the, the entire game, you know, 14 points. But talk about the A&T offense. They, they have had better days. It seemed like they couldn't get first downs or move the, the ball at all. You know, I they, they weren't moving, and that's the thing, they weren't moving the ball. I think that was their issue the whole time. They couldn't move the ball. Even in the, you know, when they have possession, they couldn't they even field goals. I think he missed a 25-yard field goal, kicker missed mm-hmm. field goal twice. So, but that that was the key. They couldn't move the ball. A&T could not move the ball. And that was the issue the whole game. The whole game uh, is what I'm seeing. Just, they weren't moving the ball. And I know a lot of A&T people have really had this, this game circled on the calendar uh, for obvious reasons. Kenneth, if you want to beat, you know, win the Big South, Kennesaw State and the moment are the two teams that you have to beat. Uh, did you get an mm-hmm. opportunity yesterday to talk to a few A&T fans? And how how are they adjusting to the move to the Big South? You know, actually, I have one of my friends from home that went to A&T, played basketball in A&T. And they actually like it. You know, from his understanding, he likes it. Um, what he did say is that I hate that we're not going to be in the MEAC anymore to still beat up on Alcorn is what he's saying. <laughs> That's what he's saying. <laughs> he was like, we ain't going to be there to beat up on nobody no more. But other than that, you know, he said that they like it, but it's the teams, like you said, the mamas, the teams that they actually have to play this in the conference that they really, you know, I'm say don't care for anymore, but it's not like your South Carolina States, your fam use, you know, your Alcorns, you don't get to play all of these HBCUs as to where that's what you were playing before. Yeah, I, I saw some back and forth on social media between uh, some uh, some A&T fans about uh, how the attendance has not been uh, spectacular mm-hmm. outside of the, the, the North Carolina Central uh, game. Um, and that a few other students basically pointed out that yeah, we're not interested in the matchups that we have, you know, at, at home. And I think that that's a challenge. Um you know, that's a, that's a challenge that you have. Yeah, and so then you have to wonder, was that a good move? Because then if you don't have the attendance, you look at it from a, a financial standpoint and you look at it from a standpoint of we're doing this as business, 
But then what happens to the turnout? What happens to the travel? What happens to the fan and the, and the alumni? If they're not traveling to the games, was it really a good move is what I always think. Yeah, and I, and I think with, with this particular move, we <clears throat> excuse me, we really won't know um, mm-hmm. for a few years. Uh, unfortunately, Kennesaw State is leaving. Um, correct. Leaving the going, yeah. Correct. This is the last year. Correct. Mm-hmm. Yep. So they're leaving the Big South, and um, you know that was one of the the bell cow programs. Um, a lot of ANT people were kind of put off by the, the teams departing the Big South as they were coming in, going into the Atlantic Sun. And I know that that was a sore spot for a few people as well. <clears throat> I don't know what some I'm talking throw, about. Some... <laughs> but man. Like you said, war to kind of get it out. Cause it's like you try to, but it's still there. Ooh. I see. Yeah. yeah. It's still there. It's still there. But, um, <clears throat> Overall, great experience at Kimbasaw. It was. Now, I'll tell you, I'm used to a higher press box. So when I walked mm-hmm. in, and you know I'm short, BJ, I could see from the parking press box. I'm like, okay, okay well, it looks kind of low from where I'm standing. And once I got inside, it, it's just a different setup. So it's more of confined seats. So every seat kind of looks like, you know how Adam has the reserve seats? It looks mm-hmm. like reserve seats to me. All of the seats look reserved, but it is. It's, it's a nice setup. Um, it's a pretty compact stadium, but the overall experience was was really good. Um, I didn't realize they had just started that band, so it was a really good experience. It really was. Nice. And it seems like, um, especially for homecoming, that that was a, a win for, for Kennesaw, you know, ANT. The alumni right. base that they have in the Atlanta area. They knew that they mm-hmm. were going to get, you know, a lot of Aggies in town. Uh, but that that looked like, uh, looking at it from um, everything, it looks like that was one of the larger crowds um, at Kennesaw in the history of uh, Kennesaw State. Yeah, it was, it was over 9,000 is what they were saying. Yeah, and on paper, the stadium only seats... Uh, 8,318, so this this was the record-breaking crowd, believe it or not. Um, right. So, shout right. out to the, the Aggies for making that happen. Um, right. So, moving on along from, from that particular game, uh, homecoming on the bluff. Uh, homecoming on the bluff this weekend. Um, before we I got started tonight, um, I had to take a moment to talk about um, – the unfortunate um, events um, at the uh, homecomings at Grambling State and uh, Arkansas Pine Bluff. Um, and just really just hoping for the best moving forward. Um, negativity, you know, we, 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 we're going to pray a, a, against that. But uh, homecoming, when I say homecoming and that uh, your alma mater, uh, what does homecoming mean? Uh, to Keisha Kelly. Oh, did I lose Keisha? Uh, I think I lost Keisha. Yes, we did. All right. We're sorry for the technical difficulties. I'm pretty sure we'll get uh, Keisha back on here uh, shortly. 
Um, let's see if we'll get a. That's one thing about doing things, man. And technology works great when it works. Uh, these cell phones and everything else—they are great when they work. Very interesting when they don't. So we'll give Keisha an opportunity to come back in. But going back into that Kennesaw State um, North Carolina anti ball game, Kennesaw State gets the win, fourteen to nothing. Um, ANT actually limited what Kennesaw State was able to do. Um, early on, the second half, Kennesaw State, that offense really got the rolling. Uh, North Carolina ANT kept them out of the end zone. Um, 351 total yards for the Owls of Kennesaw State. Um, they got a lot of that done on the ground, 222 yards on the ground, uh, 129 yards through the air, which is a lot. Kennesaw State. They don't throw it much. Only threw it 13 times yesterday, completed six passes, um, and they were averaging 9.9 uh, yards uh, per reception. The biggest uh, takeaway for this ball game is Kennesaw State defense and A&T's inability to move the football. Uh, North Carolina A&T only had 12 total first downs only 207 yards of total offense. Uh, AMT could not get it done on the ground. 23, 23 carries for only 31 yards. That's 1.3 yards per carry. Uh, through the air, Jalen Fowler, um, he had some, 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 some opportunities. He had some shots. He missed a couple of throws. There was some opportunities to pull the ball down to actually run for yardage, uh, and he didn't. Um, 14 of 35, 476 yards. The a offense, which is predicated on, on running the football, couldn't run the ball yesterday, and, and Jalen Fowler in that pass game uh, was off. Uh, it'll be interesting to see uh, what's next uh, for the North Carolina a Aggies. Right now here at midseason, they sit at 3-3. Three and three. Um, Only lost that one conference game. Uh, but, you know, the Aggies sit at 3-3, three and three, and I know they're upset with a disappointing loss at uh, Furman, um, and now this loss to uh, Kennesaw State. And we got Keisha Kelly back. Keisha's back. Hello? Hi, Keisha. Uh, we might have. Keisha might be frozen again. She is. Oh boy! Is that technology for you, Roy? That's that technology for you. Yep, that's that technology for you. Well, the Aggies of North Carolina A&T will face off against former MEAC foe uh, Hampton uh, on next week. Hampton, uh, they took a. Uh, a loss, uh, and whew, did they go down 35, um, 35 to three yesterday to Charleston Southern? And Hampton falls to two and four overall, 0 and two in the Big South. Uh, North Carolina AT falls to three and three and two and one in the Big South. Uh, Keisha, we got you back.
All right. Looks like going to see if we got uh, Keisha back to kind of talk about uh, finish this up with uh, homecoming. Um, also, I'd like to tell everyone out there, happy homecoming. Uh, happy homecoming. I hope that your football team wins and the parties are great and that you rekindle with old classmates and everyone else. Um, going back to the Southwestern Athletic Conference, uh, we talked about Florida A&M uh, and uh, Alabama A&M. Uh, hit a little bit on Alcorn State and Mississippi Valley. Um, big contest yesterday, speaking of homecoming, Grambling State University uh, hosted Texas Southern on yesterday. Texas Southern a week ago came off a big win against Southern University uh, in Arlington, Texas. Um, some call it a controversial win, but we're just going to call it a win uh, for Texas Southern. Uh, Texas Southern, Andrew Body. Uh, young freshman from Corpus Christi, Texas, uh, has been looking hot. Uh, he, he, he's been looking uh, pretty good and has given that Texas Southern football team uh, almost like a new identity. Uh, that high power offense going against that Grambling defense, uh, we knew that that would be a challenge. Uh, but on yesterday, Grambling gets it done uh, by the score of 34 uh, to 20. Uh, Offensively, Texas Southern actually outgained Grambling, um, 362 to 246. Uh, Andrew Body went, you know, 2440 uh, for 245 yards. Uh, Texas Southern was able to run the football for 117 yards. Um, it was the penalty yardage for Texas Southern, which was the biggest difference. Get this one, nine penalties for 165 yards for Texas Southern, zero penalties for Grambling State University. Uh, both teams turned the football over. Grambling had four turnovers. Uh, Texas Southern had three. Texas Southern, 21st downs to Grambling, 16. Uh, but Grambling still found a way uh, to win the ball game. Uh, one of the biggest plays on the game uh, happened with a Quincy Mitchell 75-yard interception return for a touchdown uh, early in the third quarter. Um, uh, yeah, uh, that, that completely flipped the uh, football game. Uh, Grambling scored 10 more unanswered points after that uh, and really got Texas Southern down 27 uh, to 6. Um, Grambling uh, bounced back after that, uh, lost to Alcorn a week ago. Uh, the G-Man uh, sitting right now at 3-4. and four, uh, they take the week off. Um, they'll take the week off uh, this week, and um, they got a big win the week after next. Um, they take a trip. Uh, speaking of homecoming, they take a trip to Tallahassee, Florida, a place that Roy knows pretty well, uh, to face off against Florida A&M. Uh, Florida A&M will uh, enjoy their first homecoming as a member of the Southwestern Athletic Conference. Um, and uh, they will host the G-Men of Grambling. Uh, speaking of another homecoming, Arkansas Pine Bluff, the Golden Lions, uh, defending SWAC Western Division champion, uh, hosted Southern University. 
Remember this ball game in the spring. Arkansas Pine Bluff goes to Baton Rouge, Louisiana. They stun Southern. All right. Southern has a great rest of the spring. But that game kept Southern out of, out of the championship game. Arkansas Pine Bluff goes on to the championship game. Arkansas Pine Bluff particularly finished fifth in the West. A lot of people shocked by that. Me. I'm a lot of people. I was shocked by that. Um, we go into this ball game. Arkansas Pine Bluff has not been having the season that they thought that they would have. They come into this game one and four. Uh, no wins in the conference. Southern really uh, lose to Texas Southern. Um, has I have not played well really any this year, and we're keeping it a buck. Uh, but Southern comes out yesterday and, ooh, they took the Golden Lions to the woodshed. Uh, Southern gets it done 34 to 7, but it was the way in which Southern was able to get it done against Arkansas Pine Bluff. Southern, 373 yards of total offense, only 69 yards passing for Southern. 10 of 17, uh, in the pass game. 10, 10 of 17, 69 yards passing. Southern University, 304 yards on the ground, eight yards per carry. Uh, the Jags were on uh, in this particular ball game. Uh, Southern got it done early and often. Um, they go into halftime up 21 to nothing. They didn't look back. Arkansas Pablo finally got on the board with a minute and 54 seconds left to go in the ball game. Um, Southern gets it done. Southern defensively, offensively, uh, even though they struggled in the pass game, they didn't have to pass. Uh, they were able to do everything they needed to do uh, on the ground. Kobe Dillon, uh, converted quarterback, uh, first year with the program down to Southern, 14 carries, SWAT record, 267 yards, three touchdowns. Uh, that young man is getting it done. He's a converted quarterback. He's just learning the position of running back. Um, yeah, uh, the future is bright for that young man. Uh, Arkansas Pine Bluff falls to one and four. I'm sorry, one and five. Oh, and four in the conference. Uh, whew. Uh, rough, rough for the Arkansas Pine Bluff Golden Lions. We got another big homecoming to talk about, and that's the homecoming at Jackson State. Uh, before we go there, shout out to the Tigers of Jackson State uh, and all the fans of Big Blue Nation. Over 50,000 uh, at homecoming yesterday for Jackson State. Um, that'll be the biggest HBCU homecoming crowd of the year. And everyone turned out. Uh, you had stars, uh, former NBA players, Instagram models. You know, everybody who was somebody was in Jackson, Mississippi on yesterday. Uh, but shout out to the Tiger faithful. Uh, one thing I can say, say about that program, uh, through ups and downs, they followed the Tigers. So shout out to uh, Jackson State. Uh, there was a beautiful display that really caught the eyes of ESPN and of a lot of other publications. Uh, Jackson State uh, yesterday with Ole Miss 
playing Alabama at home had the largest college football crowd in the state of Mississippi on yesterday, beating, edging out Alabama visiting Mississippi State. I don't care who you are. That is impressive when you're able to do things uh, like that. So shout out to the Tigers of Jackson State. They host Alabama State yesterday uh, for uh, homecoming. Uh, Jackson State played in the homecoming last week. It turned into a homecoming, but you know, um, they the impressive win against Alabama A and M on yesterday, um, and that offense really got on track. Uh, it was going to be interesting to see with a defense a lot better uh, than what they saw a week ago. Uh, could that offense replicate that same success? Uh, a lot going on at Jackson State this week. Uh, a lot of positives going on at Jackson State this week. Uh, Coach Sanders and, and his football team coming off an emotional win. How would Jackson State bounce back, come into their own homecoming? Face them off against Alabama State. They played Alabama State in the spring. That was one of the most physical games of the spring. Well, with Alabama State edging uh, Jackson State out in the spring. This was another leg of the revenge tour uh, that the Tiger fans are, are calling it. Um, they host Alabama State. Jackson State gets it done by the score of 28-7. to But if you're a Hornet, you have to ask yourself, coulda, woulda, shoulda. This ball game was 7-7 at halftime. Uh, Alabama State uh, was playing about as well as you can play. That Jackson State defense is special, folks. If you have not seen them, uh, uh, go go watch this football thing. They, they're, they're special. Uh, but Alabama State was able to move the football. Uh, Miles Crawley, a freshman quarterback at Alabama State, uh, throws a touchdown pass. Jeremiah Hickson, uh, they tied the, uh, the score up at seven. Alabama State had a few other opportunities, had a, a key drop pass. Uh, to, that would have added some more points on the board. Um, and then the, the the decision that a lot of Alabama State fans are talking about was the decision to not go for a field goal or more points right before the half, uh, but to surrender and go into the the locker room tied at seven. Uh, Jackson State comes back out. They make the adjustments. Um, they score 21 unanswered in the second half. They pull away by the score 28-7. Jackson State moves to 5-1 overall, still unbeaten in conference play. More importantly, still, still sitting in the catbird seat. Number one in the Eastern uh, Division of the Southwestern Athletic Conference. About to run into break. Uh, we're about to hit that 9 o'clock hour. On the other side, I'm going to have my man, Scotty. Some of you guys know him as Abrion. A lot of you know him as Offscript. He's a guy. He ruffles a little feathers now. Like he, he's the Paul Feinbaum of HBCU football, uh, in, in ways. But you know, and this is a guy that, do, that really knows the X's and O's and ins and outs of uh, the game of football. Uh, very, very, very uh, interesting guy. Came onto the scene recently. Uh, got a nice following. Uh, make sure you follow him. Uh, but on the other side, we're going to bring you off script. We're going to sit down. We're going to talk about how he got into HBCU sports, uh, HBCU football, and how he's enjoying it so far. 
And then we're going to get into some X's and O's, the ins and the outs of some of these games from yesterday. So keep it locked right there where you are. I appreciate you being right there. Keep it locked right there where you are. When you come back, we'll have my man off script. Um, and we'll break down a few more games from this past week and the week that we'll be. Keep it locked right there, right here inside HBCU football. Oh, that spin class was brutal. Well, you can try using the Buick's massaging seat. Oh, yeah, that's nice. Can I use Apple CarPlay to put some music on? Sure. It's wireless. Pick something we all like. Okay, hold on. What's your Buick's Wi-Fi password? Buick Envision 2021. Oh, you should pick something stronger that's really predictable. That's a really tight spot. Don't worry. I used to hate parallel parking. Me too. Hey. Really outdid yourself. Yes, we did. The all-new Buick Envision. An SUV built around you. All of you. I'm returning to Clinton, Paris, and Tampa's my community. I grew up here, went to school here, and my wife and I make our home here. What makes Tampa special are its people. So when I represent someone injured in my community, it's personal. Call my office and speak to a real lawyer and not some referral service. I will fight the insurance companies to get the settlement that you deserve. At the law office of Clinton Paris, we take the pain out of being hurt. This is Ryan Fulford. A.D. Drew and I are co-hosts of the BCSN Sports Wrap. We talk about all things related to HBCU athletics. From the games, teams, coaches, and fan interest stories, we cover it all. You can find our shows on Facebook at BCSN Sports Wrap, YouTube at MyJBN Online, and everywhere you listen to podcasts like Anchor, Spotify, Google, and Apple Podcasts. You can also find the show on the Jericho Broadcast Network's app. Make sure to download. We look forward to you joining the conversation and being a part of the show. It's never too early to plant the seed, to share the tradition, and instill a sense of pride in your HBCU with your little ones. HBCU Pride and Joy Children's Boutique helps you share your school spirit with a wide selection of adorable kids' apparel and accessories officially licensed from your favorite HBCU. Visit HBCUPrideJoy.com and follow us on all social media at HBCU Pride Joy on Facebook and Twitter. HBCU football. I'm your man, BJ Jones. Uh, coming off a break, man, we uh, got a man that'll be in momentarily. Uh, my man, Abrion Scott. A lot of y'all know him as Scotty. A lot of you guys know him as Offscript. Uh, this guy, hey, you either like him or you don't. Um, he's ruffled some feathers. Ruffle, ruffle. <laughs> Uh, since coming into the Southwestern Athletic Conference, um, he, he's a guy that comes from the outside. No ties to any swag school. Uh, just really recently got into HBCU uh, football, uh, but does a great job uh, with the X's and O's. Uh, knows the game inside and out. Uh, he'll be the first to tell you he's still learning the HBCU landscape, uh, learning about the swag. Uh, but an entertaining guy, none, nonetheless. We'll have off script coming up uh, here shortly, um, Scotty. But we, we were talking about uh, Jackson State and, and Alabama State. Uh, the way that uh, Jackson State won that football game on yesterday, 
I don't think that people give enough credit to uh, Shador Sanders. Um, he's efficient. Um, and yesterday he was very efficient. Uh, 17 of 29, uh, 201 yards, um, zero interceptions, and he did throw a touchdown pass. Um, he makes the smart throw. Uh, he he doesn't, doesn't take a lot of chances if he doesn't have to. Uh, make smart throws. And it's very impressive when you see a young freshman that's that efficient with the football team, uh, with, with the football. Uh, Shador Sanders' completion percentage is up over 70%. That's impressive as a, a freshman. Uh, he limits. He doesn't, doesn't take a lot of risk. Uh, doesn't, doesn't take too many risks. He does, does not want to, he's not going to do anything uh, that's going to hurt that football team. Uh, Jackson State has one of the best defenses uh, in the nation, not only the SWAC, but the nation. Uh, when you have a defense like that, uh, you know, he, he's the perfect complement to him. I'm not going to turn it over. If we can't get it, we'll punt it. Uh, we'll make it a little easier for you guys. But uh, Shadour Sanders. Um, also, uh, Santi Marshall yesterday, 24 carries for 96 yards uh, and a touchdown. Jackson State actually ran the ball 38 times as a team for 149 yards. Um, they go over the century mark for the second week uh, in a row as far as on the ground. Uh, Miles Crawley from Alabama State, young freshman uh, from here in Metro Atlanta, uh, Tucker High School. Uh, he went 9-26 for 117 yards and touchdown. There were some key drops uh, at, at, during that football game. Uh, one of them would have added points, and a few others. Uh, Miles Crawley has some opportunities that if he links up with some receivers, uh, these go for some big games. Uh, one thing that I saw on yesterday, this Jackson State defense, the way that they play, uh, the quarterback has to, play, has to throw a perfect ball, and your receivers have to be able to make uh, catches under duress. Um, if you can't make contested catches, uh, because this is Jackson State defense, uh, then it's going to be a long. It's going to be a long day for you. Uh, Ezra Dre, uh, we know what that young man can do. Uh, Fourteen carries for twenty-seven yards. His longest run for the day was six yards. And that de- that dark day defense uh, w- was doing the work. Keith Corbin, uh, receiver for Jackson State, seven receptions, one hundred and thirteen yards, and a touchdown. Um, and the touchdown that he got, man, it was a beauty. Um, it was one of the best uh, plays that you're going to see all year, which the dual standards getting away uh, from pressure, uh, making a stiff arm and then throwing one on the rope to get to the back of the end zone uh, to Keith Corbin. Um, the Tigers, right now you're sitting at five and one and uh, number one in the Eastern Division of the Southwestern Athletic Conference. They're sitting pretty. Um, a lot of people talk about, you know, this football team and uh, what Deion Sanders, you know, brings not only to this football team, but the HBCU football. Um, but the Tigers, they're getting the job done. You know, amongst all that talk uh, and everything else, they're actually getting the job done. Uh, Jackson State, we go in, we look at the standings in the Southwestern Athletic Conference. Uh, Jackson State currently leads the SWAC Eastern Division. Um, 
with their record of 5-1 overall. Uh, they're currently uh, sitting uh, with a perfect unblemished conference record, uh, which is where exactly where you want to be uh, sitting. Uh, right behind Jackson State uh, is Florida A&M. Uh, Florida A&M, that one blemish uh, in the conference, um, first game of the year. Uh, Jackson State, the Orange Blossom Classic. Um, man, if you Florida and if you wish you can have that ball game back, um, I, I, I wouldn't actually mind seeing that one again, uh, some kind of way. Uh, but Florida A and M sits right behind Jackson State. They're four and two overall, two and one in the conference. Uh, right behind Florida A and M in the three spot is Alabama State. Uh, the Hornets are two and two in the conference, three and three overall. Mississippi Valley actually sits in the four spot in the Eastern. Division one and two in conference, two and four overall. Uh, they're sitting at number four in the Eastern Division. Alabama AM, spring champions. Um, a lot of people predicted Alabama AM to uh, defend their title and um, go host either host a swag championship game or uh, definitely play in it, but the Bulldogs are currently one and three in conference, uh, three and three overall. They currently sit in the fifth spot uh, in the Eastern Division. Bethune Cookman, zero and four in conference play, zero and seven overall, and they round out the bottom spot uh, in the Eastern Division. In the West, things are about to get really interesting and kind of tricky over in the Western Division. Prairie View, 4-0 in conference, 5-1 overall. They sit in the number one spot in the Eastern Division. Right behind them, Alcorn State, 3-0 in conference. The biggest thing about Alcorn, 3-0. They might not be winning the way that they would like, uh, but 3-0 in conference, 4-2 uh, overall. Alcorn currently uh, sitting in second place in the Western Division. Uh, Southern University. Sits at two and one in the third spot in the Western Division, two and one in conference, three and three overall. The biggest thing over the next couple of weeks, Southern, Alcorn, Prairie View will all meet each other. It will all shake out. Prairie View goes to Southern this upcoming week, homecoming on the bluff. And then Southern will face Alcorn State next week. And if that wasn't good enough, Prairie View travels to Loma, Mississippi, November 13th. Oh, man, the West is going to work its way out. Uh, it's the wild, wild West for now, but it'll work itself out. Grambling State sitting in the fourth spot, still in striking distance, two and two uh, in conference, three and four overall. Texas Southern, one and two in conference, one and four overall. They're in the fifth spot, and Arkansas Pine, I believe. 0-4 in the conference, 1-5 overall. And if I would have told you that the two participants in the SWAC championship game uh, during this spring, uh, one would be dead last in the division and one would be next to last, you would probably ask me how much or how much I've been drinking and, and why. Uh, but we sit here mid-season, 
Alabama A&M ranked fifth in the Eastern Division. Arkansas Pine Bluff sixth. Yeah, it's, it's, it's tough sledding. It's tough sledding. Um, next week, uh, we start looking at the uh, the biggest ball games uh, in the conference. Uh, one thing about going into the month of November is that we're going to have a bunch of key matchups. A bunch of key matchups next week. Um, it's not short of those matchups um, at all. We talked about Prairie View. And Prairie View goes on the road. Uh, they face off against Southern University. It's homecoming at Southern. Um, that's going to be an interesting contest, to say the least. Uh, we know the tale of the tape. Uh, when you start talking about uh, Southern and Prairie View, uh, Prairie View has not defeated Southern since 2015, which was also homecoming for Southern. Uh, you know, Prairie View um, has not beaten the Jags since that point. Uh, head coach Eric Dooley, uh, one-time assistant, up under Pete Richardson at Southern University. Uh, currently has an 0-2 record against the Jaguars. I'm pretty sure he's looking to uh, turn that around. Uh, that Prairie View staff, full of old Jaguars from Southern. Uh, so it's homecoming for them um, as well. Uh, Alcorn State goes on the road next week. Night kickoff. A night kickoff uh, against Texas Southern. Uh, 7 p.m. That's going to be interesting. Florida A&M going to Mississippi Valley. Valley is a dangerous football team. Just ask for Thelma Cookman in North Carolina Central. Ask Alcorn. Ask Southern. This ain't the same Valley from years past where you kind of show up, roll the balls out, and take it all back into the house. Florida A&M will visit Mississippi Valley. That game will will be a 3 p.m. Central kick. Bethune Cookman at Jackson State. Uh, Bethune Cookman winless. Going against the juggernaut of Jackson State. That game kicks off at 1 p.m. Central Time on Saturday. Uh, Bethune Cookman and Jackson State. And Arkansas Pine Bluff. You know, we talked about them one and five on the year. And now here come the Hogs calling. Yes, the Hogs are calling. Uh, Arkansas Pine Bluff uh, will visit the University of Arkansas. Uh, That game will kick at 11 p.m. on the SEC Network. Uh, those are the ball games uh, that we have slated for next week. Uh, also, uh, in the Mid-Eastern Athletic Conference, we finally got some conference games uh, going on uh, there in the MEAC on yesterday. Uh, Morgan State uh, visited South Carolina State. Uh, the Bulldogs predicted to win the Mid-Eastern Athletic Conference. Um, season started off a little rough. Um, yeah, it started off a little rough. Uh, but, uh, the Bulldogs actually got it done on yesterday, uh, against Morgan State. Uh, South Carolina State, it was the way in which they got it done. Um, defensively, they played about, about as solid as you can play, uh, limiting Morgan State through the air as well as on the ground. Um, the uh, Bulldogs got it done uh, on yesterday, limiting Morgan State. Morgan State barely cracked the 100-yard total offense mark on yesterday. 
uh, when facing off against South Carolina State. Jacoby uh, Durant uh, from South Carolina State continues to show you why he's one of the best uh, defensive backs uh, in, in, in the country, um, especially when we start talking about the FCS uh, division. Uh, he played a well of a game on yesterday. South Carolina State actually got it down by the score of 37-14. to 14. Um, Fields uh, at quarterback for South Carolina State, uh, 19 of 44 for 258 yards, threw three touchdowns, uh, but did throw the two interceptions. Um, outside of the, the turnover bug, uh, South Carolina State was good. South Carolina State actually got seven takeaways uh, yesterday uh, from Morgan State, two interceptions thrown by Morgan State, five, um, I'm sorry, five interceptions thrown, two fumbles lost. You can't beat anybody when you turn this ball, when you turn the ball over seven times. South Carolina State limited Morgan State to a total of 12 first downs, uh, only 58 yards on the ground. Uh, South Carolina State gets it done. Um, also over in the MEAC yesterday, uh, it was homecoming for Norfolk State, uh, Norfolk State, excuse me, uh, and the Spartans uh, welcome in Virginia Lynchburg yesterday uh, for homecoming. Um, the Spartans got it done big by the score of 42 to 14. Uh, Jawan Carter continues to impress and continues to show you why he is uh, the front runner uh, for the MEAC Offensive Player of the Year. Uh, 42-14, uh, the that, that defense from, from Norfolk actually played very well. Uh, Coach Odoms and the guys really rotated a lot of guys in uh, offensively and defensively. Uh, next week, it'll be a little bit more uh, tough sledding uh, for Norfolk State. They'll face off against Howard. Uh, Howard was off this particular week. North Carolina Central will actually host Morgan State on next week and South Carolina State. Has an interesting contest with Delaware uh, State uh, with the Mid-Eastern Athletic Conference. We're really getting into conference play. Uh, so the standings, uh, they're about to start to shake themselves out uh, here shortly over in the MEAC. Um, yeah, uh, so we're talking about the SWAT, talking about the MEAC. Remember, the Celebration Bowl comes in December. Uh, make sure that you are checking, uh, uh, keeping up with this. Uh, Celebration Bowl, great event. We didn't get it last year due to COVID. Uh, looking forward to, to it this year. Uh, before we get there, we have the SWAT Championship game and so many other things. Trust me, I'm not trying to rush football season, people. Um, but over in the SIAC, one of the biggest surprises yesterday, Fort Valley State was one of the three teams I talked about last week in the Eastern Division of the um, SIAC, along with Savannah State and Albany State. They faced like off against Morehouse. Morehouse had their first win of the year last weekend against Tuskegee, and they got it done in a major way yesterday. Morehouse got it done by the score of 55 to 3 over Tuskegee. Uh, the, 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 I'm sorry, Morehouse over Fort Valley. Sorry. Sorry, Tuskegee. Uh, but yes, Morehouse got it done over Fort Valley. Fort Valley, 
uh, looked like one of the contenders over in the Eastern Division, uh, Morehouse, one of the the bottom feeders in the Eastern Division. Yeah, newsflash, Morehouse actually uh, came to play on yesterday. Uh, they get it done um, over uh, Fort Valley State. Savannah State keeps it rolling. Uh, they beat Clark Atlanta yesterday by the score of 49-14. That sets up a huge matchup in the SIAC Eastern Division. Savannah State, the Tigers, go on the road this weekend to face off against Albany State. Winner takes first place in the Eastern Division of the SIAC. That's going to be a good one, to say the least. Miles College goes to Lane yesterday. Lane yesterday and gets a win by the score of 24 to 21. Uh, that was a much needed win uh, for the Golden Bears. They now move to three and four overall. Um, they needed that. That was a division conference win. Uh, they needed that one. It's going to be interesting to see coming down the stretch in the SIEC West. We get a lot of attention to the East. Miles College, Lane, and Kentucky State. And don't count out Tuskegee. As bad as they've been playing, Tuskegee is going to be right there at the end. There's going to be a four-team race uh, coming on down to the wire over in the SIAC. Um, I'm about to get ready to uh, perhaps go into the uh, probably the, one of my, my last breaks of the night. I want to go into a break. We're going to reach out and see uh, where our guest is, Mr. Abrion Scott, a.k.a. Scotty, a.k.a. Off Script. Uh, keep it locked right there where you are, and we'll be right back. For 200 years, Montgomery, Alabama has been making history by people who had the courage to stand up for change. Today, this riverfront city has been reborn, embracing the past and looking forward to the future. From a national memorial for peace and justice to the stage of the Alabama Shakespeare Festival, this is where history was and is made. We are proud to call Montgomery home, and together, we can be the change. Nope. Nope. You want him? Ooh, I like him. Quick, the quicker picker-upper. Bounty picks up messes quicker, and each sheet is two times more absorbent, so you can use less. He's an eight. He's a nine. Bounty, the quicker picker-upper. Maureen is saving big holiday shopping at Amazon. So now she's free to become Maureen the Marrier. Food is her love language. And she really loves her grandson. Like, really loves. Itchy. Squirmy. Scratchy. Family not getting clean. Get Charmin Ultra Strong. Go get him. It just cleans better. With a diamond weave texture, your family can use less while still getting clean. Goodbye, itchy squirm. Hello, clean bottom. <laughs> we all go. Why not enjoy the go with Charmin? Supermarket sushi, really? No. Wait, Troy, you work here? I'm never not working. Like head and shoulder scalp shield technology, up to 100% dandruff protection, even between washes. Never not working, huh? Oh, Troy, you're such a good teacher. Yeah, I know. <laughs> never not working. Never not working. 
Never ever not working. Are you serious? Never not working. Standard protection that's never not working. Head and shoulder scalp shield technology. using the Buick's massaging seat. Oh yeah, that's nice. Can I use Apple CarPlay to put some music on? Sure, it's wireless. Pick something we all like. Okay, hold on. What's your Buick's Wi-Fi password? Buick Envision 2021. Oh, you should pick something stronger. That's really predictable. That's a really tight spot. Don't worry, I used to hate parallel parking. Me too. Hey. You really outdid yourself. Yes, we did. The all-new Buick Envision, an SUV built around you, all of you. I'm returning to Clinton, Paris, and Tampa's my community. I grew up here, went to school here, and my wife and I make our home here. What makes Tampa special are its people. So when I represent someone injured in my community, it's personal. Call my office and speak to a real lawyer and not some referral service. I will fight the insurance companies to get the settlement that you deserve. At the law office of Clinton Paris, we take the pain out of being hurt. Ryan Fulford, A.D. Drew, and I are co-hosts of the BCSN Sports Wrap. We talk about all things related to HBCU athletics. From the games, teams, coaches, and fan interest stories, we cover it all. You can find our shows on Facebook at BCSN Sports Wrap, YouTube at MyJBN Online, and everywhere you listen to podcasts like Anchor, Spotify, Google, and Apple Podcasts. You can also find the show on the Jericho Broadcast Network's app. Make sure to download. We look forward to you joining the conversation and being a part of the show. It's never too early to plant the seed, to share the tradition, and instill a sense of pride in your HBCU with your little ones. HBCU Pride and Joy Children's Boutique helps you share your school spirit with a wide selection of adorable kids' apparel and accessories officially licensed from your favorite HBCU. Visit HBCUPrideJoy.com and follow us on all social media at HBCU Pride Joy on Facebook and Twitter. For 200 years, Montgomery, Alabama has been making history by people who had the courage to stand up for change. Today, this riverfront city has been reborn, embracing the past and looking forward to the future. From the National Memorial for Peace and Justice to the stage of the Alabama Shakespeare Festival, this is where history was and is made. We are proud to call Montgomery home 
and together we can be the change. Nope. Nope. Come on, him. Ooh, I like him. The Quicker Picker-Upper. Bounty picks up messes quicker, and each sheet is two times more absorbent, so you can use less. He's an eight. He's a nine. Bounty, the Quicker Picker-Upper. Maureen is saving big holiday shopping at Amazon, so now she's free to become Maureen the Marrier. Food is her love language, and she really loves her grandson. Like, really loves. We are inside HBCU football. Got a special guest with me. You guys know him off script. Some of you guys know him as Scotty. But I'm telling you, man, he he he's a loose cannon of HBCU football. And he's a he's a Paul Feinbaum, if you will, of HBCU football. I'm introduced to some and present the most. Scotty, what's up? What's good, B man? I'm just glad to be on, man. Appreciate the invite. Oh man, we're glad to have you on, man. Hey, we, we I talked about earlier, man. You 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 have the propensity to ruffle some feathers, <laughs> certain fan bases. <laughs> I don't try, you know. I really don't. I really don't try. And the funny thing is, a lot of people call into the show and they say, you know, Scotty, you're controversial. I, I don't think I really am. I I just I really just feel like. I speak what's on my mind. I've always been like that, you know, since I was little. So I just took it to, you know, HBCU sports. And, you know, uh, some people rock with it. Some people don't. Now, one of the things that, that, that you do well, um, and, uh, you know, one thing that draw me to you, I mean, you're really good with X's and O's. Uh, I'm a real X's and O's guy, as a matter of fact. We'll jump into some X's and O's later because we, we got a couple of games that I really want to talk to you about and, and a few uh, matchups. Uh, coming up over the next couple of weeks now, you know, kind of pick your brain on. Uh, but how did you – you're new to the HBCU scene. How did you get into um, HBCU football? Um, I have to be honest, and uh, and I know a lot of people know uh, Cut Day Sports. He does the highlights for a lot of the HBCU games and uh, for the MEAC and things like that. He actually uh, found me on YouTube, and we were, we were in a mutual Facebook group. And I had I was doing I was doing off script, but at that time I had a partner with me, and um, uh, he reached out to me. He was like, "Man, I, I think you're not because I was doing NFL. I was doing NFL, NBA, and it, and it wasn't getting any traction. We was doing I mean videos like like hotcakes, and and Cut was like, "Man, I don't think that you know that's your lane." He, I think he's like, "I think you should come into HBCU sports." Now, mind you, he didn't know me from a can of paint. He didn't. We we weren't friends. We didn't know. He just like he said he liked what I was doing, but he thought he, I should do it somewhere different. Um, I, I me and him talk for a, a couple of weeks and he was like, man, I think you should get into it. So I, my first video was the Deion Sanders uh, hire at Jackson state and it did 15,000 views. And I, at that time I only, I was getting like 20 views of video, you know what I'm saying? So 15,000, I thought my YouTube broke. I, I ain't going to lie to you. I was, I called him up. I was like, man, like, I think my YouTube is broke. Like my, my views just keep going up. Like I'm seeing a hundred. 
250, 300. I'm like, yo, what is going on? And I haven't looked back ever since. And, you know, it's been a blessing, you know, meeting people like you and Mr. Campbell and all, a lot of, you know, Uncle Fl- uh, Uncle Fl- uh, Uncle Flood, uh, Uncle Reggie, uh, you know, Rube and all you guys. And, you know, you guys have kind of embraced me. And, and then at the same time, you know, taught me, you know, certain things, do's and don'ts of HBCU football. And it's been a blessing. I just keep learning and growing from there. Um, now, you got a taste of it during the spring. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and and now you've been able to hit up a couple of games um, in the fall. Um, in, in the fall, what has been your favorite trip so far of all the games that you've gone to? Southern Heritage Classic, by far. Okay. The Southern Heritage Classic was, I mean, I went to the Orange Blossom. I've been to the Bethune. I went to Bethune and went to Daytona. Uh, I've been to the Alabama A&M Homecoming. Uh, the Southern Heritage Classic, by far. Uh, you know, and everybody knows me and my girl go to every game. She's she's right beside me everywhere I go, and we just love the Memphis area. The Memphis area was awesome. The atmosphere was electric. I mean, it was jam packed. Tail. I'd never been to a HBCU tailgate before. Um, and I think the Orange Blossom Classic was real more corporate. It was real. It was real corporatey. It wasn't that Southern Heritage Classic gave you a more down home feel. You know, people inviting you to the cookout and you know things like that. So. It, and it was packed wall to wall. I'm talking about, you know, the bands in there, the people in there. It was a great environment. Uh, I enjoyed it. I think the second closest is probably the Alabama homecoming until the game started. <laughs> until the game started. <laughs> it was all good until the game started. Once the game started, it became a, a funeral. But, you know, before then, yeah, it was live. It, it was yeah. interesting. Now, you, I know you got a couple of games coming up on the docket. Um, uh, and you talk about big games. Magic City Classic is coming up. You, you, you plan on being on, at that one in Birmingham? Yes, sir. So, look, my docket is pretty full. Um, we're going to we're going to Itabina. So, I go to the FAMU in Valley because I want to see Caleb Johnson and and Coach Vincent Dancy up close and personal just to kind of get the get a feel of that. Uh, the next next week we're going to the Magic City Classic, and then the next couple of games that I, I will end the season is the uh, the Boombox Classic and then the uh, Soul Bowl. So, those will be my last two games for the season, and, and we'll see where we go from there. Okay, okay, okay. So you you enjoying the culture, man, the tailgating and the bands and and and, and all of that. Man, it's it's been wow. a blessing, man. And people been, and people, you know, if people, you know, they recognize me at the stadium because of my show and good or bad or indifferent, you know, say if they call me over to talk mess, you know, they don't like what I said about Jackson State or what was going on or they don't like that I didn't pick their team to win. You know, it's it's really been a friendly environment and it's been a real blessing and you know, it's 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 big like a big family. I, I realize that's what it, it that's what it is, and I, I like I said once again, I've been blessed to kind of be like adopted son into this culture. So I, <laughs> hey, now they'll treat you like an adopted cousin, man. You keep making them mad quick, now. Quick, <laughs> quick. Now, now one of the things about it, man, Jackson State them has been one of the hot button uh, topics. I, I think that. Um, that's one of the fan bases that probably got your, your picture up, you know, probably looking for you on game day. But all jokes aside, we talk about this Jackson State football team and, you know, defensively what they're able to do. Um, got a chance to look at the game on, on yesterday. Alabama State had some opportunities in, in, in their ball game yesterday. Um, and it seems like with Jackson State's defense, your quarterback has to be perfect. And when he puts the ball in tight spaces, the receivers have to come down with the football. Um, you had some opportunities yesterday where um, quarterback over, overthrew uh, two 
that if the receiver catches it, he's still running right now. Um, and then you had two drops um, that, that hit the receiver in the worst place in the world, which was square in the hands. Um, so let's kind of talk about what you've learned um, about this Jackson State football team defensively uh, in particular. Um, first, first, I want to give a shout out to, to Miles Crawley. Uh, I mean, a, a freshman going into that, to a Jackson State homecoming, them being the hottest team, like number two defense in the FCS, I believe, something crazy like that. And you standing tall in the pocket and, and, and delivering those passes, hit or miss. Uh, shout out to you. It's, it's pretty much what you said, BJ. Like, you don't, you can't afford the, the Jackson State defense is so locked in and so good, and they're so, they're so good that they make you have to play perfect football. You can't, unless you really believe your team is capable of moving them, you're, you're good with the scheme, and you can handle the pressure up front, you don't have a chance to just lollygag throughout the game and say, okay, we're going to get them in the second half because they can change it up. They can be even better. They can, they can swap out. They have depth at, at the most uh, powerful positions on the team at Houston, Cornice Miller, and all those boys. So they really, they really test. What, what I see Jackson State is saying, they're like, hey, we don't think any quarterback in the SWAC can compete with what we have because that's what it all comes down to. It comes down to your trenches play and can your quarterback make throws? And then once your quarterback makes the throws, as you said before, can the receiver come down with the catch? And they're going to keep betting on that. They're going to keep betting on black until it happens, until you beat them, until you make them get out of what they're doing. They're just going to keep betting on black that once again, we're going to get to you. You can't block us up and you can't make, you can't make spectacular catches just down after down after down. And the one thing watching that Alabama and that Alabama state game, I do apologize. The Alabama state game is I'm sorry. Donald Ely has to take that chance at the half. I'm, listen, you're playing with house money, right? Nobody expects you to, nobody expects you to be seven and seven at half. You you're on midfield with 50 seconds left. Your receivers have been doing work all first half. You got to take a shot. Don't want to hear it. Don't care what you thought. I don't care what the books tell you. I don't care what Madden suggesting plays told you to do. You, (laughs) you needed to take a shot at the end of the game, just to give your team the confidence to be like, man, listen, we can do this guys, but to sit back, Oh, let's go in half and come back. You saw what happened. Jackson state came back, reloaded, and you you got you, they pulled away from you. Oh yeah, man, and, and I, that was something that a lot of Alabama State fans were talking about after that game. You, you got to take a shot. Um, you got to you got to take a shot, and they were in field position to take a shot. Um, it, it would really wouldn't have cost them anything. Um, offensively, you know, Jackson State. You know, we talk about um, their inability to run the football up until recently. They were able uh, to run it a little bit more effectively on yesterday. Um, but let's just talk about that, that, that offense and how Shadour Sanders, uh, so efficient in that offense. Listen, I, I, anybody who watched my show knows from a canopy, I was not a Shadour Sanders fan. I thought he got the job too easily to, uh, for, to say the least, but yesterday that boy made me a believer. I mean, he is. Don't get me wrong. He's he's pretty much Chef Emerald. I mean, you got all the pots and pans you want. You whatever whatever you need, your dad's gonna get it for you. you, you what you need? You need you need onions. You need you need pepper salt, pepper, you know, steak, flamingo. Whatever you need is gonna be in the kitchen. But I didn't think he was able. He would be able to really cook it up, and he's cooking. I mean, mm-hmm. yesterday shows me that 
if it's not for Shador, even with the play calling from T.C. Taylor, the game, the first half, the game should have been 14 to seven or at least 10, seven Alabama State. And Shador got out of maybe three or four sacks on his own, just simply being Shador. So he really made me a believer. Uh, the offensive line isn't all world, you know, for them to reload on these dogs that they were supposed to get from the spring. I mean, you probably could have kept the same old line from the spring and been doing the same thing honestly uh but you have these dogs at receiver who i mean you name them newman malachi trevante lanier uh i mean just just pick a name somebody's gonna keep corbin somebody's gonna make a play for corbin you. yesterday Ooh. you know what i'm saying he, somebody's gonna make a somebody's gonna make a play for you uh for me i still believe this this team runs through uh newman i i, I really feel that way i think he is their their biggest mismatch even though he's the smallest guy he's their toughest matchup um but once again, I think Shador is real, man. I, I can't if if and if, if me being his biggest critic and tell you that he's real, I'm telling you, like he is legit in the in the way he makes this office works by his mobility. Because I don't care who you you put a kill glass back there yesterday, he gets sacked six times for Jack State, mm-hmm. and, and it, he gets sacked six times. You you put any other quarterback probably back there other other than Shador Sanders, they probably get sacked at least four or five times. Shador does what he does, and he, he keeps it mobile. And he, he makes plays. Hey, I think the turning point in that ball game, Alabama State had pressure uh, cooked up. Uh, they got to Shador. He made the stiff arm, step out of, stepped out of the tackle, and threw, <laughs> threw one on a rope that keeps Corbin in the back of the end zone. That's one of the best plays that you will see. Seniors can't make that play. You're telling me a true freshman comes in to make that play? Man, that kid's special. BJ, you're a defensive guy. Yes. What are you telling your DN who just get mushed down to the ground by a quarterback. What are we doing? Like, <laughs> you're 280. You get stiffed on by a guy who's 6'2", maybe 180. I mean, it literally puts you on the ground, steps out of your grasp, and throws mm-hmm. a touchdown. What are you telling your defensive end after a play like that? <laughs> there, it's it's going to be words that you can't, I can't repeat on this. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Me and that young man, we're going to have a conversation. Yeah, man. What are we doing? Crazy. Yeah. No, it, it was the play. Easily, it was probably one of the easiest play of the year. Easily. Now you saw Jackson State take on Alabama and them a week ago um, up in in, in home school, and Alabama and them took on FAMU. I'm gonna be honest with you. I thought that this FAMU game would get away from Alabama and them early, and it didn't. Um, they actually had the lead 28 to 10. Um, looking at this Alabama and them's. Uh, football team what has been the biggest difference that you've seen comparing them in the spring and and now since we've started the fall um it's clearly the book is out uh when you when you get enough game on any any team or any player you kind of understand what their tendencies are and i think the weakness of this this alabama and them offense is the offensive line and their trenches now you could take the whole defense and pretty much you can ship and pack that somewhere else because that's not going to help you win no games but for offensively to stop uh, Alabama AM is pressure up the middle, pressure on Akil Glass because he's not mobile enough to get away from it, and you really, you really see him get exposed there. But that that would be that would be what I would say the, the book is out on them. Yeah, and, and it looks like everyone kind of picked up on Gram- what, you know what, what Grambling did a couple of weeks ago. Uh, put that pressure on him, uh, make the pocket collapse. Uh, Grambling got to him. I think it was uh, six times. Jackson State got him, got to him ten. Um, if I'm not mistaken, you're right. Florida A&M uh, got to him on yesterday four more times. 
Um, so it, it, he's been sacked a lot uh, the last the last couple of weeks. He gets the week off, but then he has Alabama State, another team who's dominant up front on the, the defensive and offensive line. It'll be interesting to see how the Magic City Classic plays out. Um, coming through this fall season, is there a particular matchup that you're looking forward to um, as we get ready, uh, basically the second half of the season? Uh, it's actually coming up next week, PV and Southern. That's actually a game I am more excited to see. Um, I'm actually excited to see I was excited to see Texas Southern versus Jackson State, but it's it lost its luster with me with Grambling because if 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 body couldn't handle Grambling, you're not. I don't care the hole, no hole, whatever. If you can't handle Grambling, you're not going to even come close to what Jackson State is bringing. So that was going to be one of my games, but it's really it's really um, Alcorn and Southern how they deal with Jackson State. Those are probably the and then of course the PV games. So how they deal with that and, and Southern kind of finding its way against UAPB and that with that rushing attack. I want to see it. It's I I feel Southern's that kind of team. Like listen, man, they kind of like like Dante Wilder. Like bro, listen, we throwing this right. You either going to duck it. Or it's gonna hit. It's just that's it. You know, it's not nothing pretty. We're not gonna do nothing fancy. We're not gonna learn how to do anything. No, this is what we do. You stop it. You win. You don't. You lose. So I, I, I really want to see that. Uh, and I don't think they're. I don't think their coaching staff is scared. Of, I don't think the players are scared of Jack. I mean, when you own a team for what eight nine years, you got to show me you really changed. You know, when we come play you. So yeah, I'm excited. And, and this is a, this is the thing about Southern. Looking at the leaders in rushing. Uh, yesterday, Kobe Dillon goes for 267 um, against Arkansas Pine Bluff. Check this out. Kobe Dillon currently leads the conference um, with 104 yards averaging, uh, average 104 yards on the ground. And check this out. With just 50 carries, he has 520 yards on the year. He's averaging 7.1 yards per carry. And if you look at it just from a rushing yard standpoint, Kobe Dillon is fourth in the conference. And he didn't touch the ball as far as running the football until, I want to say, the third game of the year. That's crazy. It's crazy. And you get in the – and if you if, if people don't – like people hear the stats, but I watched the game. I went back to – his vision – is his jump cut ability like it's nice? So he's not like somebody you're like, oh, he just something's blocking it up perfectly and he hitting. Well, they, I mean, the offensive line is great, and I've and I've I've said this model numerous of times. If you think you can run the ball, you can't because Southern does it ten times better. That's 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 my model when it comes to Southern, but. It's it's the running. I mean, it's they just come at you in waves. Jamar Washington, Nelson, Devon Ben, Kobe Dillon. It's just who you want, and you can have all these guys on the field at the same time. So now you you give Zach Grossi the jet sweep, the 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 receiver, the the running. You don't know you don't know who can get the ball for real for real. So I, I and I think Zach Grossi is one of the best offensive minds in the game in in the SWAC. So you you add that matchup with a defense that's going to show you what they do, and they're not going to change it. Uh, it, it's a it's a it's a heavyweight battle that's gonna be it's gonna be nice and I, I can't wait to be there. This is one of the things that excites me about Southern offense. Now you've inserted Ladarius Skelton, the receiver; Ladarius Skelton, the quarterback; Ladarius Skelton, the running back; Ladarius Skelton. Um, and and you're only going to see more of that as we get ready, you know, for the second half of the season. So it'll be interesting to see how that offense flows with eight lining up all over the place. 
and and he listen. I'm sorry. I, I've been. A, I was a Skelton fan, but bro, he's in the Wildcat. They call the perfect play. It's a, yeah. it's a Wildcat fake. The, the 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 dude sneaks out and he throws it at his toes. I'm like Skelton. If you just, I mean, if you just jump shoot it to the running back, he's walking into the end zone. So you, those are the plays you cannot miss against Jackson State. That's the stuff that you know it gets you APB or uh, whatever. We'll come back and we do it again. No, mm-hmm. Jackson State. If it's there, you got to hit it, and it ha- it has to go for what it's supposed to go for, and that's what you want to see from a a great team to beat Jackson State. Yeah, and, and I think, you know, one of the biggest things, we talk about Prairie View, Jawan Pass. Um, I think a lot of people aren't talking about him and what he's been able to uh, accomplish this year. He has uh, over 1,400 yards passing, uh, nine touchdowns uh, so far. He's only turned the ball over – well, he did get bit by the interception bug here recently. He has five interceptions on the year. Uh, but – and what he's able to do to his feet. Is this a swag offensive player of the year candidate that a lot of people are sleeping on? I would say yes. Um, and it I, I think it's it's his if they keep winning. If they keep winning, it's his. Um, because and I and I and I told this back from when they played Texas Southern. I said Jawan Pass probably throws the best deep ball in the swag. And uh, he probably has one of the two, uh, one of the top receivers that can go get it. I mean, just flat out fly. I think his name is Hollanday, if I'm not mistaken, or something like mm-hmm. that. So, yeah. I mean, the boy can just straight out fly. Um, the issue with Jawan for me is his intermediate passing. That's where usually he gets caught up. He he kind of seems like he's stiff and it's forced. Um, even when he does like east and west passes, it doesn't seem as fluid as his um as his deep passing. But he can. He, for for him to be six four and six five and can move, he doesn't look to run. That's not his thing. He he can get out of trouble. He can reset his feet so good and so well and sling it. That's that's another one of his attributes as well. Um, I just got to see the intermediate game uh, come come a little bit better, be a more cleaner. But yeah, it's, if he keeps winning, man, listen, because they're undefeated in the SWAC West, uh, he keeps winning. It could be his to take. It, it'll be a hard. It'll be hard pressed to take it away from him. Now, before the start of the year, Akil Glass was the preseason offensive player of the year. And, you know, what he's done uh, in his career at Alabama A&M, uh, you know, his number speaks for itself. Even now, you know, he leads the conference in passing with uh, over 2,000 yards uh, passing. He's averaging 333 yards uh, passing per game, which is highest in the conference. And that's coming off two passing uh, two passing days where he didn't crack 200 yards. Um, against Jackson State of Florida A&M. But it's the interceptions. Seven interceptions. He leads the conference uh, in interceptions. And that completion percentage um, at 59.4%. Has Akil Glass kind of – you think he's hurt that draft stock a little bit uh, with the way that he's played this year? It's funny you ask that. We just had a conversation on my channel about that. Uh, Yes, but not because of what people – not because what well, people think it's because people are like, oh, he keeps losing. No, no, football is a team sport. And if you put up 31 points, you're supposed to win the game. I don't care who you're talking to. Like now the Jack State and Grambling games, you can you, those are those are debatable. But the the FAMU game, you put up 31 points. Let's, well, you put up let's say you put up you put up 21 because you had a scoop and score for a touchdown. So you put up 24 offensive points. 
You could win that game. You should have won that game, but your defense doesn't come to play. My thing with draft stock dropping is realizing if I'm a scout watching the kill glass, it's pretty much saying, bro, if we don't have an offensive line, he can't do nothing for us. Like for real, he, he is no good to us because we, where, where you only can block five and they send six up. He's a goner. Like that's, I mean, like that's it. He's a goner. So you have to block everything up right for a kill to be effective. And and I don't know where the game is going in the NFL. If that's, I mean, you got Joe Burrows, you got Joe Burrows running, you got Josh Allen's running. You, I mean, you have these big mobile quarterbacks who who have who can throw, who can do all these things, and they get loose. I mean, you don't see that many Tom Brady's. It's, it's, you know what I'm saying? So that mm-hmm. that style of football is kind of going away because of how everything's so spread, everybody's so fast, everything is, you know, trying to get to the quarterback because of passing. I think that's really the only thing that's really going to hurt Akil is his lack of mobility, for real, for real. And I give this credit. Yesterday he had one, he pulled he pulled one out of the pocket, and he, you know, he, um, I think it was in the first half, I think it was either the first or second drive, he pulled one down, and oh my God, Marquise Bell almost killed him. <laughs> and, I, and I was like, that's why he don't run. Oh man, you talking about somebody? You talking about somebody that you don't want coming downhill on you? Marquis Bell is probably on the top of the list. <laughs> no, no, he's probably five. on the top of the list, and he just so happened to be there. Oh my goodness! Oh man, man. Speaking of, I mean, it's an easy segue. Marquis Bell currently he's fifth in the conference um, in, in tackles. Um, you know what he's able to do tackling uh, in coverage. If who are your top three players for a defensive player of the year? Houston's number one. <laughs> yes, Houston, uh, yo, if if it don't start with Houston, it, I don't know what you're talking about. Uh, it would go Houston, and it's funny. I think FAMU has two legit shots at defensive player of the year. Is is, is Land and Marquise? Those will be my. It'll be one, two, and three. You can flip. You can flip Land and, and Marquise however you want it. But um, I think Houston definitely should be at the top of the list. But this is why I would put Land or Marquise better if you want to make a if you want to make a caveat. Land does it without the blitzing. So what 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 Houston gets and what a lot of people don't see is that he's it's either six or seven always coming. So there's always going to be a one to one matchup with Houston. That's how they block it. That's how they bring it. Land is legit going four against five. He might have a tight end on his side. He might get doubled. He might get chipped by the running back. You don't see that happen too many times against Houston. So I And Land does a lot of hustle plays, too. He gets a lot of them off his motor of coming off the edge, getting blocked sometimes and still fighting through. So that would I mean, that one and two with Houston and Land, they could probably they can probably be interchanged and then Marquise Bell will be uh, number three for me. Um, yeah, for defensive players of the year. Um, we're going to keep it up front. Um, I made the comment a couple of weeks ago that, that Jason Duma for Prairie View, um, 5'11", 230 playing defensive tackle. Just think about that. I think he's one of the most disruptive guys, uh, up front. Um, with, just with his, uh, ability, um, his athletic ability, get off blocks, his tackle for loss. He's one of the top, uh, he's in the top three or four in the conference. Is there another defensive lineman uh, in the conference that you've seen be as dominant as Jason Dumas? Number uh, ninety year? Number ninety-two, FAMU. That yeah. freshman, that that five eleven freshman from yo, he's legit. If you don't know who I'm talking about, the boys five eleven, yes, like, like three, he might be two eighty, two ninety, maybe three. Yeah. He is cold. He is cold. Uh, Christian Clark, 
He does his thing. Yeah. And, you know, he's cold. Um, but yeah, when it, Dumas is leading the pack, but a close, I mean, on his heel is that 92 from FAMU. Uh, Land would not be able to do half of what he does without 92 clogging up that middle. And I mean, and, and making the plays that he does to be a freshman too at 5'11. They got somebody special over there at FAMU for real. And man, we, we close and get ready to wrap up. But um, coming into, uh, into the conference, I know one of the things that a lot of people got mad with you about. So you came into the conference with fresh eyes. You didn't necessarily have a tie to the conference. Um, you know, so so one of the things that, uh, you know, we, we you know we talked about the, the playoffs and, and the schedule of the FCS games. And me and you, we've talked about that at, at large. Uh, but having half of a season um, that's already passed and, and, you know, another half in the books, is there something about the swag that you didn't know that really jumped out to you now that you have half a season gone? And it could be, you know, style of play. It could be atmosphere. It could be anything. Is there it, something jumped out where you're like, wow? The, I think the two biggest things is is tradition and history. Uh, I, I'll kind of count. I'll I'll kind of package that one, and then I'm, and my other one will be uh, quarterback play, right? So the tradition and history is that, like. People like stuff really matters. Like when you say, hey, something's going down in the hole. You don't want to go to the reservation. You know, like that stuff really means something. Like I, at first I was like, oh, yeah, OK, whatever. But stuff just like I'm like, hey, like stuff really do be happening there. Like they're not like. So that's <laughs> that's that's the probably the biggest thing that's like, hey, man, like these 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 past these past transgressions that have happened at these stadiums, they mean a lot. So uh, for me, just to kind of dismiss it has really made me look bad on my picks. So I'm definitely kind of jumping on that. (laughs) (laughs) And then the quarterback play, man, it's, it's super inconsistent. I mean, from one game to the next, you can have a quarterback throw for 350, and the next game he looks like he shouldn't even be playing quarterback. And I.E. Rashawn McCabe will probably be the big, big, biggest example. The first three games of the season, I'm like, why is this kid playing quarterback? And now in this back half, he's looked pretty decent for FAMU. Same thing with Jelani Easton for Valley. The first couple games versus uh, Murray State in, in the couple, I'm like, man, why is this kid playing quarterback? Now in the back end of it, he looks pretty decent, like he can lead a team. So the quarterback play has been super inconsistent with me um, and finding a, a starter quarterback in Grambling. Everybody, you can play quarterback at Grambling because they just they plug in and, and all type of stuff. <laughs> but that that would be the biggest thing is the inconsistency from quarterback play for me and the tradition and history at these programs and stadiums. The closest thing out, looking on the back end of the schedule, what are you looking forward to the most? Well, you can be two or three things that you're looking forward to the most. Um, I I want to see how Jackson State ends the season. I want to see if um if if they have the if they have they if they have the season wrapped up in a whole, do they go play that rivalry game, the the, the Soul Bowl and in, in Southern as real as they as as tight as they should, or do they bench the players and like, hey, we work, we want to wait for the Swag Championship? I want to see that. I want to see how the West ends up because, I mean. PV losing a game uh, here or there on the weight, man. I'm t- it could be a three-team race, and those last three or four games could mean so much. And I mean, it goes either way. And then also, the, a team like FAMU, what if, if you don't make it? How do you reload for next year? Because you know you had your opportunity at Jackson State, you lose it. You can probably go. You probably won't lose another game in the SWAC. And then how do you reload for next year? Because that has to be heartbreaking, man. Like. Mm-hmm. 
that you you do you're you're probably one of the best teams in the SWAC, and you you won't get another chance to play high level football for a championship. Um, and to me, and I know people are not gonna like it. I think there should be a four team playoff for the SWAC championship. I think you with with Dion being Dion being in it, you just don't want to leave football games to. You want as much you want as much revenue as football is going to bring you. I know BJ. I know you talk about where is it going to be at, who's going to host, and all that type of stuff. But I just think you want I just think you want that revenue for those games because people want to see the Jackson State family rematch. They just want to see it, and that would I think that would be a pretty cool aspect to add to you know give it some luster. But that's pretty much it. Yeah, and and, and the th- thing about it is, man, we'll see Coach Willie uh, Simmons. We talked about this on last week. Uh, when he was on with me and Dr. Kenyatta Cavill, um, that and he said that, you know, fam, you, they're not going to wait till late to uh, drum up uh, attention as far as the FCS um, at large being into the playoffs. And if, if they keep winning, you know, they're right outside the top 25 right now. They keep winning. They'll jump inside the top 25. And if they win this thing out, they'll be comfortably inside the top 25. 24 teams go into the playoffs. Uh, they'll have a legit shot. So we'll see what happens. And I think uh, for the 100th year of the Southwestern Athletic Conference, what it would mean to get a team into the Celebration Bowl and as well as one in the FCS playoffs, which has been a goal for uh, Commissioner uh, Charles McClellan. So, so it'll be interesting to see how this thing close out. Well, and he is uh, off script. Trust me, we want to have him back, man. One of my favorite people to talk. X's and O's too, man. Make sure you check him out. Um, sure. Hey, tell them how they can check you out, Scotty. Uh, they can check me out on YouTube. Uh, you can go to YouTube and type in off script. That's S C R I P T off script. And then you can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at off script underscore TV. That's how you reach me. And, uh, you see behind him, he didn't took down the Jackson state shirts. He got a little all corn, you know, back there. Hey, man, listen, I, you know, I tell, I tell people I'm a slut for these HBCU streets. So if you want to send me some merch, I'll put it on the wall, you know what I'm saying, and represent your school. So somebody <laughs> sent that to me, so I'll put it on the wall. All the Jackson State fans like, I knew you were a hater. You took our shirt down. <laughs> All right, whatever, whatever. Everybody gets but yeah, But yeah, man, that's all script, man. I'm BJ Jones inside of HBCU football, man. We appreciate you guys uh, for checking in, man. We're moving into week eight um, of the HBCU football season. I'll catch you guys next week, man. We'll be uh, here to uh, review uh, Prairie View, Southern, FAMU, uh, Mississippi Valley, uh, Bethune-Cookman. Um, we'll, we'll be facing off against uh, Jackson State, uh, Texas Southern. Uh, you know, Texas Southern, um, uh, we, you know, we'll see what uh, a body will have uh, for us, but uh, we will be back next week. Appreciate everyone tuning in. Shout out to, to my man Roy back in the studio, uh, making everything happen. We apologize for the technical issues. Uh, inside HBCU football, we sign up out of here.